Good morning. I want to welcome you to Rivermont today and turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 18 as we continue our study of the life of David. Some of you, uh, as you're turning there, some of you have been praying for me this week. I had a little bit of surgery on my elbow, my right elbow, and so if you see me kind of gesturing with one hand, I'm not becoming a one-armed Baptist music minister, you know, I just (laughs) can only use the one hand. Uh, very well this morning. We're going to talk this morning about friendship, as Brett said, from the life of David and one of the most famous friendships in the Bible, the friendship of Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the very first king of Israel, and and he was the heir. And as Brett said, David was God's choice to be king, and yet David was a simple, unassuming shepherd boy. And yet God led his people through that shepherd. God was with David. And part of God's manifest, clear blessing in David's life came through his friend, Jonathan. The question for you and for me today is, what is God doing in your life through your friendships and your relationships? 1 Samuel 18, beginning in verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul sent him over a men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Let's stop there. Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see all that you have for us this morning. We pray that by your spirit, you would form us into this kind of friend. The kind of friend that knows your relationship with us. That we might give friendship away to others. We pray it all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Well, what would happen if you called me on the phone one night and said that you had a friend who was in distress? Not that this has ever happened. No one's ever called me at night and said this kind of thing. Just kidding. But say that you called me and you say, my friend Bill is really struggling right now, Pastor, and I'm wondering if I could bring him over and have you talk to him. I had lots of calls like that. But what if I were to respond to you I am so thankful that the Lord put you in Bill's life for such a time as this. You love Bill, you know Bill, you are committed to Bill, you're walking with Bill, and your friendship with Bill is exactly what he needs. Maybe you interrupt me and say, wait wait a minute, this, I feel like the issues in his life are a little bit above my pay grade. He needs, he needs to talk to the pastor. And I respond, but let me, let me pray for you right now that the Lord use you as his agent of healing in Bill's life. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow, but I am so grateful that Jesus has given you to Bill. And maybe that's a different way for you to think about care for one another in in this life. There are clearly times when a professional is needed to guide someone and walk with them through their pain or abuse or distress or mental illness or the like, but so often we forget the biblical principle That God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. 
That's the principle that God uses over and over again. He uses ordinary folks to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. And he uses friendships and relationships as the front-line agents of his healing within his body, within the church. That means he uses you, not simply the pastor toward that end. God uses you in your relationships to bring healing into the lives of his people. How do we see in this text that God blesses and speaks to us and uses our friendships in our lives? Well, first, we see that God shows us his faithfulness Through our friendships. God shows to us that He is faithful through our friendships. We're going to look at the Goliath story next week, but don't forget what is happening there. This 1 Samuel 18 is just after the Goliath event and David defeated him, and the whole country was enthralled with David because he had defeated the giant. Now don't underestimate what happened because the entire nation was saved that day. In order to fight a battle, so often in those days, armies would send out their strongest warrior and those two warriors would fight against one another. And whoever won that one-on-one battle would win the whole battle. And here David had gone out and fought the most fearsome Philistine warrior, Goliath the giant, this little shepherd boy, this unassuming shepherd boy who wouldn't even take the king's armor. It's a little boy using his slingshot. And he won that battle for God's people. And he was so everyone was so enamored with him that even the king's son Jonathan came out to him in verse 3 of our text. And it says he made a covenant with him. Now to make a covenant literally says to cut a covenant. And that means that a sacrifice was made. There was a slaughter of an animal that happened. And usually what happened is two people would walk together between the carcass of this animal that had just been sacrificed. And as they made a covenant, they're saying, may what happened to this animal happen to me if I break the promise I'm making to you right now. It was a bond in blood. It was a promise of life and death. It was a pledge unto the death. And that covenant of friendship between David and Jonathan was the foundation of how they related to one another over and over and over again in the pages of the Scriptures. David and Jonathan were faithful to one another because of the covenant that they had made with one another. And yet Saul, the rejected king, Jonathan's father, you can imagine, began to be jealous. And he was threatened by David because not only was he losing the heart of his son, the son was committed more to his friend than his father, the king, Saul was also losing the heart of his nation. Get verse 6 of 1 Samuel 18. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the entire kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. From that moment, the envy of Saul began to plan removing this threat of David from the kingdom. And yet Jonathan again and again intervened on behalf of his covenanted friend. Saul tried to kill David with the javelin. He tried to nail him to the wall, so to speak, with that spear. But Jonathan intervened. 
And Saul tried to send soldiers out to hunt David down and kill him in the wilderness. But Jonathan intervened. Saul was running David down in the court and Jonathan stood up for him in the face of his father. Saul was was bringing a, a trap to lure David back into the court under a guise of friendship. And again, Jonathan intervened and that time Saul threw that same javelin to try to spear his own son, Jonathan, to the wall. Again and again and again, Jonathan was faithful to David at a great cost to himself. He put his own life on the line over and over. Why? Because of that covenant. Because they had made a pledge. They made a promise in verse 3. They pledged to be faithful to one another. Their friendship was founded on the Lord. It was birthed out of their, their promise before their Father in heaven. Their friendship wasn't about an allegiance to a throne. Their friendship wasn't built upon a self-interested power relationship. They weren't using one another to further their own selfish agendas. Their allegiance to one another grew out of their union with their Father in Heaven and their promises to the Father in Heaven. It's interesting to look at that kind of friendship and examine our friendships in light of that. It's really easy for us to use one another, isn't it? It's easy for us to have kind of event friends. Ballgame friends, handyman friends, walking friends, exercise friends. But what about a faithful friend who sticks with you through all these kinds of things? A faithful friend that sticks with you through when times are good or bad. Beyond just the events and the shared things that you do in life. What kind of friendship is that? It takes determination, doesn't it? Those kind of friendships aren't just going to happen. They're not just going to develop without interest and pursuit in time. It requires something of us to have those kinds of faithful, committed friendships. It calls for us to open our hearts and let someone see what's truly important to us, what what matters to us. It calls on us to bear our souls so that someone can know what's important to us and be faithful in helping us get there. Do you have that kind of faithful friend? And when you see them serve and love and stick by you through thick and thin What does that do to you? I hope that you understand that faithful friendships and faithful friends point us to a faithful God. Because when friends are loving and faithful to us, it's revealing in snapshots and and pictures and shadows what God is like for you. That God is faithful for you. We have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We have a faithful friend in the Lord Jesus And we are called to be that kind of a friend to someone else because we have that kind of friend in the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is faithful to us because of that covenant. And He's secured God's favor for us through His life and His death. He not only made a covenant that that threatened to lay down His life for His friend, He actually did it. He is the definition of faithfulness, of loving us when we're unlovely, of chasing us down when we run away, of forgiving us and changing us when we are content to wallow in our sin. The Lord Jesus is the kind of friend that that pursues us in faithfulness, even when we may want to run away from Him. We see the faithfulness of the covenant the Lord Jesus made with us by giving His life and His death on the cross. He's a faithful friend. And whenever your friends are faithful to you, I hope that it reminds you and it shows you a bit of Jesus's faithfulness to you. Whenever your Christian brother or sister keeps their word, 
and you're thankful, remember that they are faithful to you because God is faithful to you. When your friend does something out of the ordinary for you or they're extraordinarily kind to you, something unexpected, remember that they are simply a stand-in for God in that moment. They are showing you, they are instruments in the Lord Jesus' hands to show you His faithfulness. And when you serve another in faithfulness, you have also the privilege of being the hands and the feet of Jesus to point those folks to the Lord in their moment of need. Isn't that incredible? That you can serve as a living picture of the faithfulness of God to someone when they're in need. The pastor may not be needed, but you as a faithful friend may be needed to show someone the faithfulness of God. Realize that as an adult in the church, it can be an intimidating place to admit that you have needs. Church like ours, it can be intimidating to admit that there are things about your life that have gone wrong. There are places in your life where you are really lonely. In fact, some of you here may feel isolated. You may feel alone and you want to retreat. You want to erect a wall around your heart where it's safe from anyone knowing or seeing your needs. Anyone knowing or seeing the burdens that you feel in this life. Friends, when you feel like you want to retreat is exactly the time to open up and let this body demonstrate to you the faithfulness of God to you. They're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to love you perfectly because we're all sinners. But if you give a chance to open your life to others in the body just a little bit, they can love you and serve you and point you to the hands and feet of Christ, to the love and the faithfulness of the Lord. It's through the members of the church that the Lord can show you how faithful He is, how loving He is, how present He is with you. When when your friends are faithful, let that be a reminder to you that God is faithful. He shows us He's faithful through our friendships. Secondly, God makes us who He wants us to be through our friendships. Sometimes doing what we know is right can be a difficult choice. Sometimes we need friends and others around us to press us on and and push us to being the men and women, the boys and girls that God wants us to be. Before David had defeated Goliath, he had already been secretly anointed as king and God used Jonathan as a friend to strengthen David's hand toward that incredibly intimidating job of being a secretly anointed king over Israel. He needed his friend to be pressed into the service that God had called them into. And you and I need friends to press, press us and push us and prod us to be the people God has called us to be as well. Note how Jonathan responded to David's anointing and victory in verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. How do you think Jonathan could have responded he is the one who'd been trained and raised to be king he was the one who was raised as a prince imagine the lessons in the court that a king's son gets how to hold a sword how to use a shield how to look regal you know how to develop that king's intimidating stare you know it takes practice and you learn that in the court but he was david just a little shepherd boy coming on the scene unable and unknowing even how to use the king's armor And yet, Jonathan the prince surrendered his position to David. 
God's rightful king. He gave up his robe. He gave up that symbol of his royalty, that symbol of being heir to the throne. Jonathan gave it up and gave it to David, God's king. And furthermore, he gave his instruments of command of the army to David. He gave him his sword and his bow and his belt in order to demonstrate and bless the man that God had called into his position. Jonathan gave up his spot. He gave up his role. He gave up his right to be the next king in order to lay down his life and serve and encourage his friend to be the man that God had designed and called him to be. Jonathan gave up his position because God had called David to be the king. Now, how different is that from the expected ruthless self-protection that we often have in our friendships and find in ourselves? The truth is that relationships, deep relationships, can catalyze us to being the people that God has called us to be. Friendships can prick us and push us toward God's desires for us, even when it's hard for us to go there ourselves. Even when we lack courage, when we lack the ability to think we could do what God's called us to do, our friends can push us to being the men and women and boys and girls that God's called us to be. One of my favorite stories is The Lord of the Rings. Perhaps you remember from the story Sam and Frodo traveling up the mountain toward Mordor where Frodo had a calling to destroy the ring. This was an intense burden, and he was supposed to do it by himself, but he couldn't really bear it alone. They had to develop a, a fellowship, a company, to destroy the ring along with Frodo. He especially needed Sam, his faithful and ever-present friend, to encourage him to do what he was called to do and be who he was called to be. The moment of truth at the end of the stories. Climbing up the mountain of Mordor, the mountains of evil, there was hot lava all around them and they were exhausted after a long journey, a a three books long journey to finally get to that spot. They were weary of the evil. They were weary of the, the weight of that ring upon them. And you might remember that Frodo said he couldn't keep going. And in that moment, it looked like everything was lost. And his friend Sam came to help him be who, God, who he was designed to be. Sam picked up Frodo and heaved him onto his shoulders and they kept traveling up the mountain into the face of, of death and evil. And remember, Sam said, I can't carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. His friend carried him when he couldn't keep going all by himself. His friend walked with him to be the person that he was designed to be, to fulfill his calling when the weight was just too much. Now, there are two sides of that story. On the one side, like Sam, we are called to be there to help carry our friends. When our friends are in distress, when our friends are burdened, when our friends are weighed down, that's what we do. We show up as faithful friends to carry their burdens with them. And help them be the people God's designed them to be. But on the other side is Frodo. He had to let himself be known. He had to let down his guard and be weak in the face of his friend. And it takes an incredible strength to be weak and let someone else see what you truly need. And yet friendship is built on that. Friendship is built on when we expose our hearts So that our friends around us see what our needs are, see what our weakness is, where they can truly plug in and help. 
Help us to be the people God has designed and called us to be. I wonder where you need friends to help you in becoming the person that you should be. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you can't face alone. There's some addiction that you need brothers or sisters to come alongside you and help you even carry you when you can't keep walking toward what is right. It's the time to reach out for help. That's the time to to lean into those relationships, that growth in holiness, that growth in becoming the person God has called us to be on the inside. It's not an individual thing. Some sports are individual sports. And some sports are team sports. And growth in Christlikeness is a team sport. We need each other to grow in the Lord Jesus. Sometimes like David, the task before us seems like it's just, it's just too big to pull off. And God sends friends to help us when our knees are about to buckle. Maybe you have a situation in your workplace. And it's, there's a difficult thing that you know is right to do. And yet you're having a hard time making that call. Are there friends in your life that God has sent to you to give you courage and even give you protection when you need to make that call? You have to expose your heart to them. Expose your weakness and ask them to help you in your time of need. Listen here. The the call upon us is to become a friend like that. That's the point. We are called to become friends like that rather than collecting friends like that. It would be so easy for us to take stock of our lives and and say, well, who does this for me? Who is this kind of friend for me? I think the call is to develop a vision in your life for becoming a friend like that for someone else. Where do you see the Lord having placed you in relationships and given you a unique position to sacrifice for yourself in order to help another brother or sister become who God is calling them to be. Where is that for you? It's not just going to happen all on its own. We have to pursue one another with God's grace. David kept going because God was with him. And God was tangibly there through Jonathan. In an amazing way, Jonathan was a Christ-like friend in the flesh. Are you that kind of friend for anybody in your life? God shows us His faithfulness through our friendships. And God helps us become the people He's called us to be through our relationships. And finally, God leads us to Himself through our friendships. Where do you go when life is painful? When it seems like it's falling apart, where are you going to turn? Well, you turn to the one with whom you're in covenant, right? You turn to the Lord and you can turn to your friends who can take you to the Lord. Here David was running from Saul as he was under threat of of murder. He was hiding in caves. He was running through towns. He was hiding in the desert. And at times he felt for his safety such that he wondered whom of his men would betray him. And he needed to be encouraged. He needed strengthening. He needed God to help. And God sent Jonathan to be that kind of help. Flip over to chapter 23 of 1 Samuel where David had been running through the wilderness as Saul chased him, and God sent Jonathan to be with him in the desert. 1 Samuel 23, beginning in verse 15. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. He was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. 
and strengthened his hand in God. I wonder if you have any friends who do that for you. Who help you find your strength in the Lord. Who, who point you to the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus in your, most, in your deepest hour of need. In your, in your weariness. Who remind you of the Spirit of God and the promises and the presence of God. Maybe a better question is, where are you that kind of friend for someone else? Where do you step into someone's weariness and point them to the faithfulness and the presence and the promises of the Lord? I've told you some of my story in years in the past. I had been married for five years and a few weeks after graduation from seminary, my wife left. She announced that she didn't love me. She didn't love Jesus. She wanted no part of the church anymore. And there was a year where the elders of the church helped to restore her faith and restore our marriage, but it didn't work. I had a friend in that time named Jim who was the kind of friend who helped me find my strength in the Lord. We walked just about every week in Forest Park and we were struggling one day on a walk and I was asking Jim this question. I was puzzling over and struggling over that question of duty. Have I done enough? I've been struggling to try to restore this marriage for a year and she wants no part of it. I can't fix this relationship. Have I done enough, Jim? I can't fix it. And Jim looked me in the eye and said, Nope, you haven't done enough. And I said, Buddy, um, that's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm looking for a little encouragement here. Do you have anything else for me besides a no? And he said... You're asking the wrong question. You can't ever fix somebody else's heart. You can't ever fix her to make her want to come back and be faithful in your marriage. You can't ever control her heart. You're asking the wrong question when you're looking to fix somebody else. But what you need to do is grapple with the question, even if Jesus doesn't fix this, is His love and His grace and His blood big enough for you today? Is that enough? Even if He doesn't fix the problem, is He enough for you? That's the right question. And I said to Jim, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel so broken. I'm not sure right now if Jesus is enough. And Jim said, okay then. Well, I'm going to believe it for you. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus is enough every single day. I'm going to walk with you through this pain and this struggle. And he was faithful. And he walked with me. And he reminded me again and again of the promises of God. He pointed me to Christ where the true salve for soul is found. Where my burdened soul could find healing. Jim pointed me to the Lord Jesus. And friends, we receive life when our friends point us to the Lord Jesus. We're not going to find strength and encouragement in piles of money or from having enough toys, or having sufficient comfort, we're not going to be satisfied if we even fix all the broken relationships around us. It's not going to work, because all of that is fading. Real strength and courage in this life comes from the Lord Jesus and His Gospel and His pursuit of us. We find courage when we remember that Jesus is enough. That's the only place where we find strength and courage in this life. 
When we remember that He lived for us, He was perfectly faithful for us, He died in our place, He took all of our sin, He was raised from the dead for us, and He dwells with us in His heart, in our hearts, by His Spirit. And it is from Him that we find strength through the Spirit within. It is through Jesus that we find our strength. And it is through Jesus that we find our enough in this life. And as His sons and daughters, we will offer strength to others in that way in proportion to the degree that we experience that strength in our own lives. Let me say that again. You will be able to point others to the love and faithfulness of Christ to the degree that you experience it in your own life. You're called to pursue the Lord Jesus personally and find strength from Him personally that we might give it away when our friends are in distress. That we might give away the Jesus that has has nourished our souls, the grace that we've tasted. We can give it away. Otherwise, we only have advice to offer to other people rather than strength and grace in the Lord Jesus who draws near sinners in their hour of need. But what do we do to offer strength to our friends in need. Sometimes in our quest to do something, we consider praying for someone a weak thing. But do you realize that whenever we pray for our friends, we are putting them in the hands of the one who knows how to love them best? We are putting them in the arms of their Savior, who is the only one who can deal with the depths of pain and distress in someone's heart. When we pray for our friends, we are asking God to be present for them. We pray for our friends to strengthen them in their hands for the Lord. We pray with them and we pray for them. We also strengthen their hand in God simply sometimes by pointing out what you see God doing in their life. Sometimes when you're in in the pit, you can't see anything but the pit, right? When you're in distress or you're depressed or you're burdened or your life has fallen apart, you can only see the places where life is coming unglued. And you as a friend have an opportunity to draw near to your friend and point out what you see God doing in their relationship. You don't have to tell them, don't be sad. But you can see them in the midst of your sadness This is what I see God doing in you. This is what I see God doing around you. This is where God is drawing close to you. When your friend needs to be strengthened in the Lord, point out to them what you see God doing in them and through them and around them. Are there places where you're looking to be that kind of encourager for someone else in your life? We can also strengthen one another's hand in the Lord by sometimes just getting in our brother or sister's grill. You know, sometimes we need to just speak truth and point them to the Jesus who loves them enough, who loves them too much to leave them alone. He has better desires, a better heart, and a better plan for them. And you as a friend, a trusted friend, can remind someone of that. Other times, we strengthen someone simply by just sitting with them so that they don't feel alone. Sometimes the best thing of all is to say absolutely nothing but to have a ministry of presence. Just to draw near to them so that they tangibly feel that they're not alone but there is a faithful God who has promised to be with them and He sent you as a friend to be with them 
in their hour of need. Will you be that kind of friend? To draw near to the people around you in distress? Why do we do it? We do it because God loves us through one another. He stirs in my heart through you, and He stirs in your heart through me. It doesn't necessarily have to be a pastor to serve that role, but through you, a faithful friend, someone can experience the Lord. I wonder if you have any friends like that here. If you don't, then get to know some. You'll be blessed by pursuing the Lord in this community and by giving yourself in this community. Let people know you and walk with you in your places of need and distress to pray with you and pray for you. If you are here and you know the Lord Jesus, then love your friends by loving them toward Jesus this week. Talk with them about what you see in them. Talk with them about what you're learning. Ask them questions about what Jesus is doing in their life. Point them to Him and be with them to encourage them in His work. Because then you'll be His hands and you'll be His feet. We remember through David and Jonathan that God uses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. Where might He plan to use you this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You send us friends to draw close to us, to draw near to us, to reveal to us Your faithfulness, to prove to us that we're never alone. You send us friends to strengthen our hands and encourage us when our courage is failing. You send our friends to lift our heads when all we can see is the pit. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that You would enable us in this church to be that kind of a friend this week. And enable us in this church to receive those kinds of friends this week. May we be a community of faith that points one another to where true healing is found in you. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.